Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with this week's host, Helen Hillix. I'm Todd Benton, your co-host. Today's topic, are you noticing more interrevolutionaries lately? Are you one? The energy of coming together to fight for oneness seems to be permeating the world news today. There's Wes Clark Jr. and his touching amends to the Native Americans. There are the Jewish and Muslim women in the Sisterhood of Salam Shalom working to end prejudice one woman at a time. What interrevolutionary stories have you heard about? Are you beginning to feel the stirrings within yourself? Could you be an interrevolutionary too? Helen and I will share the new interrevolutionary handbook that Beth is writing to help train those of us who resonate with the call of being an interrevolutionary. And we'll also talk about our challenges in being interrevolutionaries. We also welcome your call, so please join us by calling 866-472-5788. And Helen's going to start off with us with the news of the Interrevolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm really excited about this topic because I've had such a struggle myself with becoming an interrevolutionary, so I'm uh, happy to talk about that and to share our experiences, and hopefully you guys will share yours. So we've got some really exciting news, I think, today. You know, one of them uh, is from the New York Times, and it was published November 30th, and I think that uh, I think that Beth actually sent us this news article, and it's, it's talking about how the, the title of it is Cities and States Lead on Climate Change. And the thing that was really reassuring to me was how much power the cities and the states have actually, no matter what the federal policy is. The cities and states are the boots on the ground, so to speak, of making the changes that need to be made in order to make our power sources more eco-friendly and all of the... Uh, decisions that need to be made on a day-to-day basis about how we're going to run our cities. And 70%, it said, of the uh, energy use is in cities. So they have a tremendous amount of uh, power over the decisions that are made and whether or not we're going to be eco-friendly in the future and deal with the, the reality of climate change. And so many of the cities are on the coast. There's Miami, New York, exactly. Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco. I mean, it's like... Exactly. And so, you know, they're talking about the, that very fact that so many of the big cities are on the coast and the, the rising sea levels. You know, these people have got to take it seriously because they see it happening already. There, there right. can't be any denial with the cities. Um, but Iowa in particular, which, you know, you wouldn't think of as being uh, a big... A big uh, eco-friendly state, but it is. And by 2020, thanks to Mid American Energy's plan, 3.6 billion dollar whoops um, investment, they are going to be using all of their resources are going to come from renewable energy. So I thought that was unbelievably exciting. And they're talking about you know the other. Um, all the other cities, like you were saying, on the coasts that are changing the way they do business. And they were talking about that in Iowa, 
uh, in this one particular region that they had already reduced their consumption of fuel, fossil fuels by 20% while their population grew by 27% and their economy grew by uh, 23% or something like that. So they were talking about how it's a win-win for everybody when you go to renewable resources that everybody wins because your population can grow, your consumption of fossil fuels can reduce, and your economy can grow. So there's just no reason not to do it. So I thought that was a really uh, exciting development and one that fit in perfectly with the inner revolution because these are changes that small people like us can make. You know, we have to vote in our own local communities to use renewable resources. Small companies have to get together and vote for, you know, using renewable resources and, and investing money in their communities. So I, I really felt hopeful about that, that the federal government, whether Trump's cabinet believes in fossil fuels or they believe in renewable energy, we still have so much power to make things different. And that's what the inner revolution is all about, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, that was was really exciting. And on a related story, I just thought I'd share this really quickly because it's it's an, it's along that same line that Tesla is releasing these new solar roof tiles. They're glass tiles, and they capture the energy of the sun. They look just like a normal roof. So that's also something that's happening in commerce, in business, is potentially going to you know be leading us into this kind of sustainable future. And uh, if it catches on financially and is viable, then that could be the game changer in itself. Absolutely. I read that same thing and that was that was really exciting. So another article that Christine Benton sent uh, came out in the UC Berkeley News. Teen girls see big drop in chemical exposure with switch in cosmetics. And that came out some months ago, but I guess um, it just got publicity just lately. But it's a new study led by researchers at UC Berkeley and Clinica de Salud del Valle de Salinas, you know, the clinic of a health clinic in the Valley of Salinas, demonstrates how even a short break from certain kinds of makeup, shampoos, and lotions can lead to a significant drop in levels of hormone-disruptive chemicals in the body. And that is so frightening. I mean, it's just so scary. They're talking about a study of 100 Latina teenagers participating in the health and environmental research on makeup of Salinas adolescents, which is Hermosa. That's the acronym for that. And Hermosa is a community university collaboration between the UC Berkeley and the Clinica de Salud de Valle de Salinas and a team of youth researchers from the Chamacos Youth Council. And these uh, researchers provided teen study participants with personal care products labeled free of chemicals such as phthalates, parabens, triclosan, and oxybenzone. Such chemicals are widely used in personal care products, including cosmetics, fragrance, hair products, soap, sunscreen, blah, 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 and have been shown in animals to interfere with the body's endocrine system. And because women are the primary consumers, they they may be disproportionately exposed to these chemicals. You know, that's what the researchers said. And apparently, um, teenage girls use even more, which doesn't really, that's not a big surprise, is it, that teenage girls use more of these personal care products than even adult women. 
So what they found that after only a three-day trial in which the participants used the lower chemical products, they found significant drops in levels of these chemicals in the body. Metabolites of diethyl phthalate commonly used in fragrances decreased 27% by three days. Methyl and propyl parabens used as preservatives in cosmetics dropped 45 to 40 40 to 4 to 45 percent, respectively. Both triclosan, found in antibacterial soaps and some brands of toothpaste, and benzophenone 3, BP3, found in some sunscreens, fell 36 percent. So it's just unbelievable. That's after three days only. Uh, and one of the problems, of course, is that these organic products cost more. But one of the things that one of the people in the the participants in the program said, even though I'm a college student and I don't have a lot of money, I'm going to either use less of the products that I've been using or I'm going to use organic products and, and just make them last longer. So people are getting the picture that uh, the California Breast Cancer Research Program of UC Calif- or University of California is saying that we've got to start looking at these and also the California Department of Public Health that we've got to start tracking these levels of chemicals in California residents because they're they're impacting the hormone development of these young girls and that they that uh, they're linking endocrine disrupting chemicals to neurobehavioral problems obesity and cancer cell growth mm-hmm. so that is freaky absolutely freaky and I'm thrilled to death that they're coming out with studies to that effect and that it seems to be already impacting these young girls choices so that also is another inner revolutionary story because it's about changes that we can make and choices that we can keep uh, getting trained to make is spending more money so that we get better products, whether it's in energy choices or personal care products. It's the same thing. So there's another article um, that I believe, I'm pretty sure Beth sent this one. It's MSN News, and it is titled Lebanese Women Protest Against Rape Law, and that was published on December 6th. And out of Beirut, a dozen Lebanese women dressed as brides in white wedding dresses stained with fake blood and bandages. It's a very graphic image if you want to look it up. Uh, gathered Tuesday outside government buildings in the capital to protest a law. And this is just mind-blowing, I think, that allows a rapist to get away with the crime if he marries the survivor. I mean, that just... Uh, it's just unfathomable. The, the law in place since the late 1940s is currently being discussed in Parliament after a lawmaker called for it to be repealed. So, you know, these women are talking about how, you know, what a horrible experience it is to be raped by someone and then be forced to marry that rapist, which just for the rest of their lives, they are re-traumatized. You know, every time they have relations with their husband, who is their rapist, you know, it just establishes such a sick dynamic in the relationship. And it further completely supports misogyny and, you know, that dynamic of the male dominating the female. So uh, I thought that was really exciting that it's getting worldwide news uh, coverage. And I'm very hopeful that that law will be repealed. 
And there again, inner revolution. These women are standing up regardless of the consequences to them personally. They're standing up for something that they believe is so important. And bravo, we're, mm. we're totally with you. Yes. Okay, a couple more things I just thought were so important to talk about. Um, this is published in Independent, and it, the title is Germany unve- Unveils Zero Emissions Train That Only Emits Steam, and it is powered by hydrogen. And it's, it's being introduced as the world's first zero-emission passenger train. And it's hopefully an alternative, a viable alternative to the country's 4,000 diesel trains. And Lower Saxony has already ordered 14 of them from French company Alstom. And more are likely to be seen around the country if they are judged a success. So the testing uh, is carried out hopefully before the end of December in 2017. And one of the things I thought was really great about this article, too, was that they talked about the fact that this concept was introduced only two years ago at some trade show, and that because of public and private collaboration, the uh, product is going to be unveiled that quickly in only two years. It, it came to fruition from being just a pilot. And it again, it just shows what we can accomplish if we all come together, which is, of course, another inter-revolutionary idea. And then finally, the other piece of news, which is not going to be anything uh, surprising to all of us in the inter-revolution, but the Wall Street Journal This is also, I think, from Christine Benton. Um, The Wall Street Journal published an article that's entitled, Is Sugar Killing Us? Experts warn that it may have an outsized role in causing obesity and diabetes, thus increasing the risk of chronic illnesses such as heart disease. Well, the essence of this, you know, this was published on December 9th. Uh, The essence of the article is that It's not just calorie for calorie, because that has been the sugar industry's refrain all these years is, you know, you can eat it, you just eat it in moderation, and you don't still eat over whatever 2,500 calories a day or whatever is your healthy number of calories, that it doesn't matter if you eat sugar, because it's just calorie for calorie. But the research is now showing that that is not true that the consumption of sugar actually does uh, prevent insulin uh, metabolism, whatever that's called, (laughs) metabolizing of insulin uh, and has an impact on your health, especially on diabetes and obesity, whether or not you are staying within your calorie count for the day. So I thought that was fascinating information. And again, another interrevolutionary idea that because we can change that by our own choices by our individual choices we can choose not to eat sugar and you know if everybody did the sugar industry would be gone and our health problems with it so many of our health problems i don't know the numbers but diabetes has just spiraled out of control in terms of being an epidemic uh because right along with the 
the availability of sugar everywhere all the time. So this is another inner revolutionary challenge is to realize that, yes, indeed, sugar is killing us. Okay. It's especially baffling when uh, there are alternatives that, uh, like stevia and other non-sugar uh, alcohols like xylitol, that are you know they don't have the they just don't have the same effect. They don't ha- they don't have sugar in them in in the same way. So, yeah. Well, and th- that thank you for saying that, Todd, because you know we we need to let our audience know about that. If you don't, is that there are and and if they're not chemicals. Stevia is a naturally occurring plant-based uh, material that can be used as a, as a sweetening substitute, and it doesn't influence your metabolism and make it spike and crash and spike and crash. Um, one of the things I think they also said in that article was if you stop eating sugar just for three to five days and, and you then eat some sugar, you will see how it makes you be unbelievably fatigued afterwards mm. and you know it's it's mm. like other things that you know jack you up and then smash you down and people just don't think about it because they eat so much sugar throughout the day in different forms whether it's carbohydrates you know processed um, carbohydrates or whatever th- that um, they don't even notice that up and down crash but if you get off of it all together just for three to five days it's amazing how quickly your metabolism will tell you what's good for you and not. It's, it reminds me of the thing about the makeup. It only takes three days for your body to start cleaning itself up. You know, we have an amazing, amazing vessel in our human bodies. And, you know, if we treat them well, who knows what, what kind of strength we'll have to change the world. <laughs> So that's it for the news today. I thought those were really interesting articles. And now we are on to the inner revolution in a different way. And um, I loved the the way you talked about it, uh, that we are struggling to do it. We really want to do it, but we just can't seem to get our acts together even those of us who are completely dedicated to it in theory, we still, <laughs> yeah, we still struggle. Yeah. So I'd like to talk a, a little bit first about, you know, what is an inner revolutionary and um, also talk about the fact that we have a handbook now that Beth is writing, Beth Green, our uh, founder and our spiritual teacher is writing this, what we hope is going to be a a brief, like 30-page document that uh, will be entitled, you know, the Inner Revolutionary Handbook. And I can't remember, what's the other thing? Common sense for the 21st century, I think, is the tagline. I believe that's right, yes. Yeah, but anyway, it's going to be a handbook that, that has a preface that talks about what is an inner revolutionary and the three principles by which inner revolutionaries must live their lives and that is oneness accountability and mutual support and if you've heard us you know on prior shows we've talked about that many times about the fact that this these are the principles by which we live and it's so important that we 
have those three principles to live by and that we're not trying to just make up, you know, what it, what it means uh, to be an interrevolutionary. It's all documented for us. And that it just helps us so much that there are such simple rules to live by. Um, I'd like to read just a little bit of the preface. Does that feel right to you, Todd? Yes. Um, so this is, I'm not going to read the whole thing as I think it's a few pages long, but it, the preface says, could you be an inner revolutionary? When you were a child, did you worry about other people's feelings or feel bad when you saw someone being hurt physically or emotionally? Did you feel sad at the thought of abandoned dogs in an animal shelter? Did you wince when you saw your parents being unkind to each other or little kids ganging up on others? Did you feel shocked when you saw extreme poverty or any kind of cruelty? Did you feel outrage or anguish over obvious injustice? Did that pain ever go away? For some of us, the pain got buried as we struggled to survive in a tough world. For some of us, the pain only deepened as we learned of and more injustices in our land and our world. And for some of us, the pain has only just reawakened. But if that pain is still in you, if you feel anguish, not only because of the hurts inflicted on you, but also because of the pain you may have inflicted on others, you may very well be an inner revolutionary. What's an inner revolutionary? Lots of people are angry and hurt, and some are bravely fighting for a better world. These individuals may be revolutionaries, and we honor them for the sacrifices they make to bring awareness and change. But inner revolutionaries have a particular part to play. Our fight is not against any particular injustice, individual, or group, although we are fighting against all injustice. Our fight is for an inner revolution, a change of heart and hand, a change in the very way human beings see and treat ourselves, one another, and our world. An inner revolution is a revolution in our relationships. It encompasses social, political, economic, and spiritual transformation. It is based on a shift from a narrow, ego-based view of the world, about me or mine, to an ethic based on oneness, accountability, and mutual support. Calls us to awareness whenever we exhibit self-centeredness, lack of empathy, or willingness to look the other way for our own advantage, or just to play it safe. It demands that we try to understand all perspectives and oppose policies, not people. It reaches its hand out to everyone, large or small, rich or poor, male, female, or other, powerful or powerless. It requires that we confront not only ourselves but others, and it exposes the reality that we are all one and that we are all suffering from a world based on ego and competition. Whew. Well, that's a mouthful, and I want to stop there because I don't want to just read, but I... I just think that is so powerful, the, the challenge. You know, who wouldn't respond to that first bunch of questions? You know, when you were a child, did you feel this and this and this? Everybody, I think, if you really go into your heart, everybody felt bad about seeing a dog treated cruelly or your parents fighting or any injustice happening. 
you know, everybody felt that way. But just as she said, you know, a lot of times that gets buried when we get older because we're struggling, you know, in a world that's tough to survive in. But under the surface, if you look deeply enough, it might be right on the surface and it might be buried, but it's still there, that caring about other people. But the challenge is that we have to shift from an ego, me-based view of the world to an ethic based on oneness, accountability, and mutual support. And, you know, for me, that is... That's been the challenge <laughs> right there, you know, just in a nutshell. I see that we have a caller, Chris Reese in Vista, California. Um, go ahead, What's Chris. What's your question? <laughs> Hi, thank yeah. you so much for the show. Boy, this is really desperately needed. <laughs> I want to share a little bit and, and get some feedback from both of you about what it's like to, be, to try to be an interrevolutionary in the capitalist structure. Um, Go for it. When I, when I, well, when I was listening to you talk about, you know, the struggle to go from being in a me-based world to one where we care about oneness, accountability, and mutual support, I just, you know, been realizing how in a sales environment where I work, um, it's just so much about me and my sales and my income and my customers and my bonus, my bonus, my bonus, and I have really <laughs> struggled. <laughs> and my family, my family, my family. Right, exactly, exactly. Because exactly, my bonus is needed for my family. <laughs> yeah, or my bonus is, is needed because it strokes my ego to say I made that big bonus and, you know, yeah. my family or just all of it. And I just want to tell you how, how ridiculous it is because I try really hard not to use product on my skin that would pollute the earth. It's just one of the things I'm trying to do, and I learned that from Beth Green. And... This is like a moment for us to laugh. When I start looking at my bonus, my mind will be like, I could spend $1,500 and do this treatment that would peel back four layers of my skin and make me look younger. And I, like, I'll catch myself thinking like that and go, how could I be more me-based than that, right? Like, <laughs> I have to look young. I'm 55. Why do I have to look young? You know, why, should, why is that rational to spend money that way? So, you know, I just want to share, you know, my own foibles and I appreciate your support and what you're offering us because it's a conversation I need and I've got to stay in the conversation. It's not a one-time deal. Like, it's constant, you know, constant not to get overtaken by the ego. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. And, man, I could not agree more with the the whole culture and this is the this is the issue and anybody who hasn't listened to last week's show with Joe Brewer you've got to listen to that show too because it totally feeds into this topic of what is blocking us from being inner revolutionaries and how can we change our culture because it, it is all about me and and it's not just you Chris or your company it's everybody, you know, it, it's not everybody because there are people who now are fighting against that capitalistic focus, uh, beginning the, the, the flood of people coming out of the woodwork since Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, was named a, a socialist, a democratic socialist or whatever, however they named it. Um, you know, more and more people are coming out of the woodwork being willing to say, you know, let's end this capitalistic <laughs> insanity. And uh, yeah. it's, 
I'm relating it back to the news article just today about sustainable energy is that yeah. they're they are proving that in in states well and like uh, California has dedicated itself I can't remember what it is to reducing 20% below the 1990 levels you know by 2030 I can't remember what all the numbers are but the whole state is dedicated to it and they are proving that in these cities where the, the growth was 27%, the reduction in you know fuel consumption from fossil fuels was 20%, and the economy grew 27%. So it proves wow. that if we live yeah. and work, if we work collaboratively, you know, and and this it goes against the capitalist thing of no, 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 let's yeah. just go for the greed. No, if we all work together for sustainability and help everybody with sales, then everybody's going to be happy because I don't care how big your bonus is, Chris. If if the economy around you has so many poor people, you're going to feel guilty about having that big bonus and you're not going yeah. to be able to enjoy it as much as if everybody had their needs met. Oh, it's so true. And Helen, I remember um, I've heard you. Could I, oh, I, I just want to. I just want to um, comment on Joe's show, if I may. Yes. Well, in part of Joe's show, he talked about how we all are acting like adolescents, like you know the the global um, culture of adolescence and how we need to be adults, and that has stuck with me actually all week. Like I'll find myself having a certain reaction or a certain like thought, like internal story. And I'll hear him say, we have to be adults. We just have to be adults. And it it actually started to shift. And I've heard that from other people. I know in working with Beth, you know, she's helped us um, take that in. And something about hearing it again, coming from Joe, like seeing it in the context of our current um, political environment it really, it really focused my mind again on how important it is to be an adult, not to think about the short term, not just to think about my own needs, and to take responsibility, you know, just like we want a good parent to. All right. Thank you so much for reminding us of that, Chris. Uh, in, in the context of today's topic focus of what has blocked us from becoming inter-revolutionaries. I think Joe put his finger on it. And it isn't just Joe who put his finger on it. He was talking about the fact that they were doing this survey worldwide. Worldwide, they asked people in many, many countries, what evolutionary stage do we see humanity in? And without fail, people said adolescence. So it's not just, and and there again, it's the oneness. It's not just even the United States, let alone just you and your company. It's not just the United States. It's the entire world. We are at the human consciousness evolutionary stage of adolescence. No wonder we're so stupid. (laughs) Right. You know, no wonder we're so ego-based. You know, we are all adolescents. And the thing that I like about that, and this is something, as you said, that Beth has commented on many times, is you don't shame a six-year-old for not being able to read at a college level. That is Mm. their evolutionary stage, is that they are at that level of development. And 
we have to remember not to shame ourselves as a collective of humanity that we are at an adolescent stage, but adolescents also have some pretty amazing capability at insights and understanding. And I know you know this because you have a teenage son. Right. And, you know, they're, right. they're capable. They're capable of challenging themselves to think like an inner revolutionary and to think in a more mature way. But our natural tendency is to go to that ego-based thinking. So thank you so much. Um, I I think, you know, you brought up some very interesting points, and I know we've got two more callers on hold. So even though I... I think I didn't answer something that you brought up. I we're going oh, to go you know to the what? next caller. It was more of a dialogue. Yeah. No, it was great. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, Helen, should we stop for a moment and just say what we're asking the callers uh, to share about? Or please go right ahead. Okay. Well, we're asking people to share their challenges in being in a revolutionaries. I think, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Yes, or any other comments or questions you have that are related to the issue. I mean, I think that that's what Chris was sharing, definitely, was that, you know, her challenge is that she is a diehard, has been anyway, a diehard capitalist. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's been her challenge in being an interrevolutionary is that ego-based thinking. So, absolutely. I love what she said because it's so hard to get away from it when we're – embedded in a culture that also thinks that way you know it's it's just it's it's so transparent to us it's so invisible to us that um we're not even aware so much of the time that we're even doing it so even what chris said i love because it's bringing it to awareness you know our habitual ways of thinking and behaving and all the stuff that's just unquestioned that that functions in the background of our of our behavior and our and our thinking yes and you know it just just brings tears to my eyes, honestly, you know, reading the preface of the handbook of interrevolutionaries about caring, you know, how deeply capable we are of caring about one another and all life. We are so capable of it, and yet we get so derailed from that focus. So, Amy, Amy is on hold next in San Diego, and we have another caller after Amy. Okay, well, this may make you guys laugh. By the way, thank you for your show. But what I have difficulty with is oneness, mutual support, and accountability. All three. (laughs) (laughs) And it's come up recently. I had to euthanize my cat, and I found the staff to be uh, uniquely unsympathetic, giving information that they didn't have the right to give. And I left feeling upset, uh, and I wanted to demonize them. I was horrified of the way I was treated and so on. And I've been thinking about what can I write to the physician that's supportive or that includes all these three things. Who and I decided this? not to write it yet because I'm not sure how to do it. But I realize who, I have to keep who, those three things in mind when I'm writing it because I so much want to demonize and shame this group. Th- this is your veterinary group? Yes. Okay. Okay, well, I'm glad you are, are uh, bringing this up because this is a, a real-life challenge of how to be an interrevolutionary. And what you experienced was insensitivity to your mm-hmm. pain. Um, Shaming, 
staff giving me medical advice who have no right to do so, who are actually incorrect and added to my sense of guilt about various things. And so, I've just never okay. run across that. So, Okay, so if we, are, if we are one, what's the first thing that we have to do? Well, it would be to see things from their perspective. Well, or to say, you know, this is, this is straight out of the Living with Reality book, which I know you have studied, and I'm encouraging every listener, if you're new, to please go to our website, theinnerrevolution.org, and sign up for our newsletter, and you get a free uh, download file of the Living with Reality book, and it is 688 pages of absolute mm-hmm. uh, mastery of, of human behavior, and it's, it's such, a, right. such a, challenge, a challenging and wonderful book full of, full of real live help. Um, and, you know, for me, the first thing that I try to do in a situation like that where I'm so angry I want to strangle somebody else and blame them and get mean is, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I do that, unfortunately. I have to own that. But, th- but what I know is the right thing to do is to say I am that. Sometimes oh, I am. Right. Sometimes, sometimes I am insensitive to other people's pain. Oh, that's Some, definitely what's been missing from what I feel like writing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, see, this is so beautiful. It, what a perfect example, Amy. Thank you. You know, is this is the challenge in becoming an inner revolutionary? Is I'm angry. I'm hurt. And that instantly separates me from you, and mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to blame you for hurting me and so forth. And yet the, the, the inner revolutionary challenge is to remember oneness, accountability, and mutual support, and to always start with the oneness. And the oneness starts with, I am that. Whatever you are, so am I. Maybe mm-hmm. to a different degree or maybe on a different day, but I know that you can relate to that, to being insensitive to the feelings of other people. Right. Because you're caught up in your own world at that moment. Right. And the mutual support would be that I'm letting them, this know, let them, letting them know this so they can have the kind of clinic that they would like to have. Exactly. And that, you know, I imagine that not every interaction with them has been like this or you wouldn't have kept going there. Right, that's what was so shocking about it. It was all exactly. in one on one day. Exactly. So you can say, I've had many wonderful experiences with you, and I know that I am sometimes insensitive myself and, and miscues and so forth, and I don't want to shame you in any way, but I want to offer you the mutual support of this experience that I had so that that you can be accountable for making whatever shift needs to be made so that you can be the kind of clinic you want to be because I know you want to be that way because you mostly have been. So thank you so much for your call, Amy. That was just such a perfect live example of how challenging it is to be an inner revolutionary. Right. I wanted to jump over all of those and toss them out. Exactly. But you don't understand these guys. Exactly. The demonizing us and them thing. Exactly. So thank you so much, Amy. We've got another caller on hold, Tracy in Phoenix. So thank you very much for calling. Thank you. So Tracy in Phoenix. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hey, Tracy. (laughs) Hello again. (laughs) No, this is a great show. Thank you for the topic. Um, I was 
thinking about it after I had, you know, heard you talking earlier about what we were going to be talking about, and um, I was resonating with what Chris was saying about being an adolescent, and the thought that I had today about with the struggle with being an inter-revolutionary, it seems like I have this muscle of just wanting to shut things off. So, for example, I was listening to the news this morning, I was like, oh, God, you know, like, here's more stuff that I just, I don't even want to deal with it, you know, and so... There's, and, and that feels like being an adolescent because it's sort of me-centered. Like, oh, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. <laughs> you hear about, you know, bad choices or people suffering. And so I think it's part of the challenge is to be willing to really see what's happening and to not run away from it, um, not take ownership for all of it, but to know, like, okay, what is my part? So instead of checking out, like, in what ways am I supposed to be checked in? And I find that hard. I am so thrilled that you called in, Tracy, and brought up this point because I would have missed it, and it is so essential. And I think that one of the reasons that many of us who are sensitive have buried those feelings is because it is so overwhelming to see all the pain around us all the time. It's just Mm -hmm. unbelievably overwhelming, and the, the pain in the whole world. And sometimes, honestly, we have to just you know, take a break from it because we, we've felt enough of it, we know what it is, and we are then guided about what action is right for us to take. But one of the things that we all know is that the antidote, the only antidote that I know of that is effective in dealing with that feeling is what you just said. What is my part? What action can I take to make a difference? And whether it's, like Amy said in the last call, whether it's writing a letter to your veterinary clinic to try to clean up a pain that was just experienced by a number of people over the cat's death, or whether it's sending money to Aleppo, you know, for the Mm -hmm. humanitarian crisis that's happening there, or whether it's promoting our event bonding over possibilities, which I want to put a plug in because I might have forgotten to do it otherwise, (laughs) is that January 7th from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the interrevolution.org is holding an event called Bonding Over Possibilities, and it is going to be happening in several locations in Portland and Phoenix, in uh, Albuquerque, in San Diego, uh, and in North County in San Diego. Also, uh, at, it's at the Peace Resource Center in, in San Diego, Central San Diego. And then anywhere in the world that you are, you can tune in live via video conferencing. So please join us for this event. And it is going to be an event which talks about whatever inter-revolutionary challenges you face in your life, whether you are a political activist or you're a homemaker, what are the challenges for you in being an inter-revolutionary and how can we come together and find commonality and support one another in the use of oneness, accountability, and mutual support in that in our everyday activities, wherever they may be, whether you are the president or you are the uh, janitor at a school. It doesn't make any difference. We all need to be inter-revolutionaries. So, you can go to our website at theinterrevolution.org and go to upcoming events, and there's information there about the event, the actual details or description of the event, and how to, who to contact to RSVP. Thank you very much, Todd. So back to you, Tracy, that feeling the pain of the world 
it is such an overwhelming thing and the only thing we can do is come together and take action otherwise we are we just might as well shoot ourselves <laughs> because or or you just go numb like you were saying you just go numb and then you feel terrible about yourself because yeah. you know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and that leads to ter- you know to anxiety and depression and all kinds of other things that i believe you know are exaggerated in our collective because of that fact because people are feeling overwhelmed by the pain of the world and they don't know what to do and it just feeds yeah. itself because the more you escape it the more you feel it and the more you feel it the more you want to escape it so it's a it is uh yeah a vicious circle Exactly. Yeah. And of course, it, it leads to so many dysfunctional things. I mean, we could go off in a completely other direction and talk about addictions and how addictive behaviors are, are one of the ways that people cope with the pain of the world because they cannot stand to, find, you know, to feel that pain that they see all around them and within them. And so they turn to some addictive behavior, whether it's pornography or food or sugar or alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever. You know, there are so many. You, you can be addicted to your children. You can be addicted to reading or gardening. You know, uh, there are so many ways that we turn away from reality, from the pain of the world, because we don't know how to be inner revolutionaries. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Tracy, yeah, your, thank your, you. Your, your call was invaluable and brought up a whole other segment of the topic that I would have missed. So you're just a perfect example of how everybody's part is so important. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so true. I mean, I hear people all the time saying, nobody's going to miss me if I don't come to this or that event, or nobody's going to miss me if I don't call in or whatever. Somebody else will pick it up, but it just isn't true. If if right. you hadn't called if you had not called in today, we would have missed that segment of the discussion and it, it would have we would have suffered from having missed it. So you're such a great example of that. Everybody has a part and it is going to be missed if you don't offer it. Right, and it does make a difference. I know I was thinking about that as you were talking to about what we can do. It's <clears throat> It's not that we have to be heroes either. Like, you know, the ego also wants to be like, oh, well, I can save the world then, which obviously isn't true. Or then you look at, you know, a small thing that you do and say, oh, it doesn't matter. But that's also not true either. You know, it's exactly, I was just thinking it was exactly what you were saying, how everything we do matters. That, and that's the accountability piece, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the oneness is that we all have a part to play because we are part of the oneness. And the accountability is everything you do does matter. It has an impact. If you do it, if you, if you don't do it, it has an impact. And we've got to all be supporting the whole, and that's the mutual support piece. So you're, you were an inner revolutionary today, Tracy. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Yay, thank better. you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. So I don't think we have any more callers at the moment. So, you know, if you are out there in radio land and you want to support the conversation and do your part, quote unquote, please call in. Uh, I think it's 866-472-5788. Yes. Um, And um, we are open for calls. And in the meantime, let's talk about our own challenges 
um, I, I want to say to start out with that I resonated with all three of our callers, you know, with Chris, who's saying that she is worried about me, me, me. And uh, of course, I'm worried about me, me, me. And, you know, am I going to have to give up my nice, comfortable home and my air conditioning? Uh, and whatever, am I going to have to go live in a tent and uh, go out in the winter and, and be at Standing Rock to be a real inner revolutionary? Uh, I, my ego has manufactured all these ways that it just guarantees me that I would have to sacrifice everything, every uh, support in my life because my home does support me to do my work. But my ego tells me if you're going to be a real inner revolutionary, you know, you really should live in poverty and give up everything material. <laughs> so it's it's all just completely crazy. And the me-based thinking is completely ant- antithetical to reality, uh, just as we were saying to several of our callers. And I can relate to Amy in that I want to blame other people for being insensitive when I am insensitive and it always is such a challenge to look back at myself and see how I need to change. You know, that is the first real uh, characteristic of an inner revolutionary is that we have to be willing to look at ourselves. That's where the inner comes in. <laughs> and, the, of course, the, the, the comments that Tracy made about, you know, how painful the world is. And I... That I think I can relate to the most of all because being a therapist as, as I am in my everyday money-making life, um, I always thought, no, 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 I'm doing my part by helping one person or one couple or one family at a time. You know, that's my part. But I see now that that was just a way of feeling like I'm managing the pain of the world by saying, no, I can't deal with that. I'll just deal with this tiny little chunk. But it's not enough. It's not enough. And now we have two more callers and we only have eight minutes to go. So I'm sorry, Todd, but you're not going to be able to say a thing. <laughs> Unless fine. you have something you really want to say right here, I'll make the callers wait. Um, well, the only thing I was thinking about as Tracy was talking was um, – I was thinking about the addictions. You know, you talked about addictions, and I was thinking about my addictions. I mean, I started smoking pot when I was 13, and I was thinking about my son, and he's into video games, and I was thinking how different I am, but I'm not really. I mean, I just could really relate to a a desire to escape, you know, and I could see him in a different perspective. He goes into video games, and I get mad at him about that, but I'm like, what (laughs) What am I getting mad about? I was smoking pot when I was 13, (laughs) you know? Uh, and Very so good. There's that, a much a more relating. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to share. Well, exactly, and you were, you're Amy. You know, you don't want to start with the very first principle, which is oneness, which is I am that. Right. You know, and yeah. asking and asking ourselves, how am I that? Yeah, and, and addressing what's really behind it, like why is he playing the video? Well, of game? course, of course, yeah. but but you're not yeah. going to get to that. If you if don't you, start with, yeah. Right. If exactly. you don't start with the, you know, it's okay, you know, it's okay. I don't have to be angry at him because I am that. Yeah, exactly. Then you can immediately go deeper. Okay. So Irene was the first caller on hold in San Diego. Hi, Irene. Hi, uh, Ellen. I think the thing, the, the way I'm mostly uh, an adolescent and that's been hardest for me is to understand that I'm here for a reason. 
because my 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 focus is always I'm here to make myself safe or to make myself valuable or to take care of myself, but to get over myself and realize that there's so much more for me to learn about what I can do to bring about the inner revolution, to take on more about oneness and accountability and mutual support. Not so I become adept at my life, but because I'm here for a reason. Well, I love what you're saying, and I'm going to answer it very quickly because we've only got less than five minutes to go now. We've got another caller on hold. Um, I think the thing that you're really saying is that in order to really be satisfied with our lives and to really be happy and to have a sense of well-being, we have to make a contribution. It, it, it's empty and not fulfilling to focus on meeting our own needs. And that is really what brings us back to the inner revolution, is that we think our needs are going to be met if we focus on me, 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 but it never works. We only have true happiness when we focus on the whole. And that's, that is our purpose. You know, as the Dalai Lama says, our purpose on earth is to be happy. And we can only be happy if we are making a contribution to the whole. So thank you thank very you. much for, thank you for, for calling, Irene. And now we'll go to Rose very quickly in San Diego also. Just wanted to share my, my version of the me, me, me. One of them is uh, that I grew up believing that I had all the answers to how life should go, especially in my life, and um, had a strong aversion to making mistakes or being pointed out that I had made mistakes. But, you know, I see now that people have so much to offer me. And I really do take in what people say, and it helps me. And I don't have to figure it out all by myself, and neither does anyone else. And now I can offer what I can to others, and I can take in what others have for me. Thank you so much, Rose. I mean, that I hear an echo. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, That's another very good point that I'm glad was brought up on this show, is that The ego tells us that in order to survive, we have to figure everything out. And because we've had so many traumas in our childhoods, every one of us, and so many hurts and disappointments, we do not trust other people to help us and support us and be honest with us and and bring helpful information to us. So we just we have to give that up and realize again that the answers are in the oneness. So we've got two minutes. Todd, what are we doing next week? Next week, an inner revolution in education. What could it look like? How could our teachers, administrators, parents, and students transform and impact all of us in the process? An interview with Ann Brennan, a middle school teacher, and Tracy Schroederin, a school psychologist and education program specialist. Public education for all American students is guaranteed by the Constitution, and more importantly, a basic need for both the student and the community. There's a lot of controversy over the word correct education techniques and what form of discipline is necessary or allowed. We also see a heavy emphasis on testing and student achievement while students are struggling socially, emotionally, and behaviorally 
and are being impacted by all the traumas and environmental stressors in both their lives at school and in the community. How about if we approach this from the perspective of oneness, accountability, and mutual support? What would that look like? How do we approach education with the whole child in mind? How do we consider the needs of the teachers and parents too? We'll hear from two interrevolutionaries in the public school system about their trials, tribulations, and successes as they work to create a more harmonious school experience guided by the highest good of all. Wow, I cannot wait to hear that program. That that just really gives me goosebumps because we in the inner revolution are working in some of the schools around here in the San Diego area and this kind of discussion is so topical and so necessary and thank God it's happening. So thank you all the callers today. We've had a wonderful show. Thank you, Todd, for being here with me. You're my steadfast right arm. I don't know what I would do without you. I could never do a show alone. And we hope that everybody has a wonderful week and that you remember to treat each other kindly and with love and with the inner revolution principles, oneness, accountability, and mutual support. God bless everyone, and we love you all, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Interrevolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us. <music>